0: Welcome to episode 101 of Teachers in Transition, the podcast and the YouTube channel. My name is Kitty Boytnot, the owner of Boytnot Coaching and the founder of Teachers in Transition. I am a heart-centered career transition and job search coach who specializes in working with teachers who are ready to leave the classroom in an effort to find something different to do with their lives and their careers and I help to coach them through the job search strategy. I'm also a certified stress management coach and if you've listened to my podcast or watched my YouTube videos uh, in the past, you know that I alternate topics. One week I talk about stress management strategies And on alternating weeks, I talk about career transition and job search strategies. This week is job transition strategy week. And I want to share with you, uh, you sometimes I feel like I've already told you everything that I know about job search, and I'm starting to repeat myself. And that goes for the stress management too, probably. But I, I keep looking for new ways to share the same information so that the people who are listening, whoever you may be, thank you, uh, that you get you get value from listening to me talk about these different issues and topics. So I want to share with you today the importance of keeping your resume. If you're in the midst of changing your job and you're not working with the coach, you're trying to figure it all out on your own a lot of people do that because they think that they can figure it out on their own I know I did it only took me a couple of weeks to figure out that "Mm, I needed I needed some help so I ended up hiring a coach and it just happens a year later I got a chance to work with her and to be trained by her and to be part of her team for 14 months and that's where I learned about Resumes and cover letters and LinkedIn profiles and interview skills and all the rest of the stuff that goes with making a career transition. So, if that was that was my journey, I ended up hiring somebody and then and then having the pleasure of working with her. But a lot of teachers, in particular, the cash is short; they don't have money to invest in working with. A career coach or at least they don't think that they do and so they figure they can figure it out so yesterday i got two examples of why that may not be the best approach but some some um, warnings for you i guess some cautions rather than warnings if you do decide to go on this journey alone So one of the emails that I got was from a young man who had heard about me somehow, I'm not even sure. And he had been looking on his own for a while. He's a a teacher. He'd been looking on his own for a while. He had quickly learned that there was a lot more to it than he thought it was going to be. And he had applied for several jobs and hadn't had any luck, and he wasn't sure whether it was his resume or his LinkedIn or what the problem might be, but he wasn't, he wasn't getting any traction. And we determined after we t- talked with one another that his main problem at this point in time is he hasn't figured out where he wants to focus his attention as far as what he would like to do next. And so we talked about how he might Simply focus on that for now and look for possibilities, consider the various interests that he has, and assess his strengths and become aware of his weaknesses, and you know, do an all round assessment of everything about himself so that it might help to point in a particular direction as to what. He might want to do and then he can worry about writing the resume so that was that was one conversation that i had and he ended up buying a starter program that's designed just to help people explore their strengths to become aware of themselves to go within themselves and to consider on a deeper level than they may have done before just what kind of impact they want to make on the world. You know, most teachers go into teaching because they're looking to make a difference. The common thread that binds most teachers together is that they're all helpers. They want to help, and they want to make a difference. They want to leave an impact on their students. In a way, they want to pay back, for the teachers who inspired them as they were growing up. And now they want to be that teacher. They were inspired to become that teacher. When you no longer want to teach, you then have to grasp, grapple with the question of, well, so if you're not going to teach, what are you going to do instead? And that's what this starter program is all about, helping you figure that out. So that's that was one conversation that I had. Yesterday, that that I thought it might be useful to share that you don't have to know right away what it is that you want to do, but you do need to spend some time thinking about it before you write your resume. The first thing to do when you're ready to make a job change or to switch careers is not to write your resume. You've heard me say this before. The first thing is to figure out what you want to do next. So he's off on that journey, exploring the possibilities that, that are ahead of him. The other message that I got was a referral from a colleague. And the message was, I've been told by this person that you review resumes If that's true, would you be willing to review mine and tell me what I would need to do? Now, I don't ordinarily, just as a practice, I don't ordinarily just review resumes. Because, as I've already explained, I don't think the resume is the first order of business for people. I think you need to have a sense of direction And you need to know what it is that you're going for before you start writing your resume. But on occasion, I do offer a video review of someone's resume. I ask them if they would send me the resume along with a link to a job description that they're interested in applying for. And then what I do is I run the job description and the resume in a tool called jobscan anybody can buy a subscription to jobscan it's not jobscan.com it's jobscan.co i am not an affiliate so i don't make any money by promoting them but i love this particular program app whatever you want to call tool whatever you want to call it because it simulates the applicant tracking system and so often people, especially people who are new to the job search and don't know that they should be writing their resume with an eye toward getting through the applicant tracking system, they can they can mess up by, by not writing their resume for the applicant tracking system. And so this tool, this jobscan.co, you run your resume against the job description and you, you're you given a score, what percentage fit you are based on the resume and compared to what's in the job description. And a lot of times, people will start out at thirty percent. In fact, sometimes they 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 start out at less than 20 percent. That more often than not, you know, people that I work with start out in the thirty ish percentage level. And then what we do is we take the recommendations that JobScan gives us, because that's the other fabulous thing about JobScan, and we use their recommendations to to create a new resume that we can get up to 60 or 70 or 80, and I've even gotten some people up over 90% as a percentage of fit between the job description and the resume. JobScan says you need to be at least an 80% match before you're a viable candidate. Most of the recruiters that I have talked to over the years have said 60 to 70% is acceptable. I have heard one recruiter say she won't speak to anyone who is less than 60% match for the job. So that's that's one good tool to use if you're trying to write resumes on your own and there are other they have a blog and all sorts of neat stuff they're not inexpensive but you can check them out at jobscan.co so what happened yesterday after this lady wrote the email to me would I be willing to take a look at her resume based on this referral from a coach friend and colleague I told her that I would and I sent her my fee She paid within seconds, and I then got her resume and a link to a job description that she's interested in. So I open up my video tool that I'm going to use as I review this resume against this job description. And my plan is to use JobScan and then to give some other feedback on things that she might do to tweak her resume, and what happened was when I opened the resume, it was attached to the email as a Word doc, so that should have worked just fine. But what I got was a jumble of, I, I think what I was looking at was the second page of her resume over imposed over the first page because her name was in big big letters twice, she also had a lot of little boxes that she had put different mm-hmm. information in. There was an education box, there was another skills box, there was something else kind of a box. Boxes everywhere. And it had whatever she had used, whatever format she was using, it had come through email as a jumbled. Looked like a puzzle. And so I wasn't able to review it. I did, rev- I I'd, I'd started the video and I showed her what had come through for me. I made some recommendations about how she needed to go back and start over and get rid of that fancy formatting because I think that's what had happened. She had used some kind of a template. That frankly did not play well once it was translated through email. Now, why am I sharing that with you? That was her experience. Because if you're getting ready to write a resume yourself, you need to be very, very aware of what type of formatting you're using. And I want to encourage you not to get drawn into thinking that a fancy format, one that has lots of columns and boxes and, you know, sets your education off on this side and sets all of your work experience off on this side, that 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 is a preferred resume format because it is not. You want to make your resume easy to digest, easy to see what it is that you have to offer. You want to be quick. You want to, I mean, the average Recruiter or hiring manager will give your resume all of six to 11 seconds to make the case that you're a viable candidate for the job that you're applying for. And if you've got all kinds of boxes and fancy formatting and fancy fonts, first of all, you're not going to make it through the applicant tracking system because it'll go through the applicant tracking system in a jumbled mess like what I got yesterday. So steer clear of those fancy formats. I know, I know you can find them. You can, you know, and they they look great and they draw you in and make you make you feel like you're you're really doing a a good job creating this fancy resume. But don't don't fall into that trap. Your resume does not need to be fancy. It needs to be direct. It needs to be relevant. That's the most important part. It needs to be relevant to the job that you're applying for. And if the hiring manager can't determine in six to 11 seconds that you are a relevant candidate, that you have relevant skills, that you have relevant knowledge and experience, they will toss you into the no pile without a second thought. More importantly, though, though, is if you don't make it through through the tracking system, you're not even get in front of in front of a human being for them to to take to, take, look, to give you the six to twelve seconds. So, the first order of business, business is to your resume in a enough format format that that makes it through through the tracking system system ends on the desk of someone who will be able to look at it and determine if you're a good fit or not. So steer clear here, that's my best advice. I steer clear fancy fonts. You know, I'll be honest, when I was in the midst of my career transition, I probably bought, I've gotten rid of them by now, but I bet I bought three different books on all the different formats that you could use writing a resume because I was under the false impression that the format made a difference. It doesn't. The font doesn't make a difference. What makes, makes a difference? People are, in, are interested in. What can you do? <laughs> what what skills do you have? You can bring to this to this job, so that you you would be successful. That's what they're looking for. They, they don't care fonts. They don't care don't about care fancy enough. formatting. Avoid using any kind any kind of color, any kind of chart, char, any kind of graphic. Do not include your picture in your resume. Some people think that's a thing. CVs in in Europe, the people in Europe, I think, do use, use pictures on their CVs. But you're not in Europe, probably. If you are, apologies. I'm assuming I'm speaking mostly to people in the U.S. And resumes do not include photos. You should steer clear of any kind of graphic, any kind of color. I had a... Client a number of years ago who insisted on using it was beautiful. It was a beautiful teal and, and orange logo. It's, it's more of a peach, you know, like, like a pt teal, light light teal. It was beautiful, beautiful logo. Of her first first initial, last initial. She insisted on using that as part of her contact information. I. Assure that she didn't need, need that, that that was not was necessary, not. she would not let it go. The problem with it is that it could possibly screw up her chances of making it through the applicant tra- tracking system. Because, because most applicant tracking systems don't play well with color or logos or anything other than plain old simple sans reef fonts like Helvetica and Arial and Calibre. New Times, one moment, maybe, maybe, maybe you can buy with that. Most, most, want to stick with, with simple. Make it simple. Keep it simple. So, those are the two things, things that I want to share with you with you today. Based on work that I did just yesterday that inspired me to think maybe. Maybe these are things that I should be sharing with those who might be listening. If you are listening to this podcast, thank you. Uh, If you would leave a review so that other people can find it, I would love that. iTunes basis their recommendation for listeners on the number of reviews and stars that other podcasts have. So if you would Rate and review view this podcast. I would deeply appreciate it. And be back next week. I'll be talking about stress management again. And if this this is a time that a lot of teachers start to feel feel a lot of stress, and when with more and more, te- more teachers mm-hmm. go back to this room in per in person in the next few months, I expect it's just going to be to be a real topic for, for the foreseeable future. So I'll be back next week with a stress management tip. Have a wonderful week. Stay well. Stay safe. I'll see you next week. So there you have it, an episode of Teachers in Transition. I hope you enjoyed the information, and I hope you'll plan to come back. Please subscribe to Teachers in Transition so that you can be alerted of future episodes. And let me know if you have any questions or topics that you would like me to specifically cover in a future episode. I'm more than happy to help with individual questions as well, so email me at kittyboytnot at boytnotcoaching.com. If you are interested in finding a new career or just enjoying your life more, this is the place to start. I'm Kitty Boytnot, and this is Teachers in Transition.